Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that as you listen, you will be encouraged in your journey and that your relationship with Father God will be strengthened and deepened. Here's this week's message from Pastor Claude. So we'll go to his word. I would ask you to stand and we'll present ourselves before the Lord this morning. Father God, I thank you for um, this assurance that you are in our midst and... uh, What we want is to be alive in you. What we want is to see you increase in our lives. And you know each person by name this morning, and you are aware of all the details that concerns them, that concerns me. And you want to reveal yourself, and you want to speak, and you want to have your way. I just pray, Lord, that uh, your spirit would come and, and speak to our hearts, that we would hear, take a hold of what you want to convey to us. And I just pray for freedom this morning to receive. And I pray for an open heaven over your people that you would come by your spirit, nudge hearts, speak, reveal yourself. Even for those watching online, I pray that you would bless them and speak to them wherever they are. So we just want one thing. It's to see your name be lifted high. And we want you to receive all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. You may grab a seat. So if you're here for the first time, welcome. And we are in the series of Nehemiah. And uh, so we are talking on brick on brick when we look at the journey of Nehemiah and the call that he had to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. And when we look at chapter 9, we'll be looking at chapter 9 this morning. Uh, When we look at chapter 9, the thing that we see earlier on is we see that the wall was constructed. Now they're back. Uh, when it comes to having protection around their cities, their city. And here we find um, Nehemiah or, and the people wanting to see God show up in their lives. Did you notice that when it comes to life, at some point in some domain, you come to a place and you say, I need to experience change. Something needs to happen. Something needs to be broken. Something needs to be implemented. Like I cannot just continue to do life in this matter. And sometimes it's in our personal life. And sometimes it's in our relationships. Sometimes it's when it comes to our calling. But one of the things that sometimes, a lot of sometimes, right, that happen is that uh, we come to a place where we say there needs to be a, a breakthrough Something needs to change. And that's what happens in chapter 9 in the book of Nehemiah. The people experience a great time uh, in chapter 8. They're rejoicing on God's faithfulness. And now in chapter 9, they're looking and they're saying there needs to be newness. There needs to be a change as we're going forward. What happened is that they looked at the past and they saw how their forefathers functioned. And it's repetitious. It's like, uh, we'll talk about that in a moment. But the journey is that they follow God. They get comfortable, they walk away from God, and then the enemy comes, and they turn to God again, and then it's the same cycle, and and they're tired of it. They're tired of that cycle and that, that same pattern, so they're turning to God and say, God, we want you to rescue us. And my prayer for you this morning, whatever you're going through, I know that we all have issues that it seems like we're uh, going back over and over again. And I pray that this morning there would be a, a, a move of God, a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that would trigger a desire to see change or, would, or, or that would bring our feet in the direction where we will want to see change and we will see change. If you look at 
the two main topics that you find in this story is that the people are aware of their inconsistency. And they're aware that they are not faithful. They're aware of the journey and they're turning to God. If, if you look at Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 13, it says, talking about God, because chapter 9 is basically a prayer. It's the longest prayer that you find in the Bible. The whole chapter is a prayer that they devote to God. And their prayer focuses on God. You see how we behave, and you see where we are today, and we're tired of this. We're tired of being where we are, and we're tired of going through the same cycle over and over again. Rescue us. So that's the heart of the prayer. In verse 13, this is where they're talking to God, and they're saying, you came down of Mount Sinai, and spoke to them from heaven. You gave them regulations and instruction that, they were that were just and decrees and commands that were good. And so what, he's, what they're saying here is that, God, the instruction you gave your people, they were good. And, and we messed up. We walked away from it. And when we look at the Old Testament, many times we look at the Old Testament and we think, oh, we don't really need it. We have the New Testament, and, and we're fine with the New Testament. There's even some people that will say, oh, we're just going to look at the life of Jesus. We're only going to focus on the gospel. But I believe that when you do that, when you walk away from the Old Testament, or you don't absorb the Old Testament, you miss on a lot of principles. First of all, you would miss on creation. Second of all, you would miss on the fall of man and the consequence of sin. You would miss on this amazing gospel or this grand story that starts from Genesis until uh, the end of Malachi and in the gospel of the coming of the Messiah. And you would also miss of the examples of how people followed the Lord and also when they did not follow the Lord. So when we look at the Old Testament, it's something that we should have in our lives or it's not, um, we should not brush it away and say we're just a people of the New Testament because what you see in the old you also see in the new and sometimes we think that the old is only regulations but one of the reasons why God gave rules to the people it was for their own good they didn't realize that they just saw things to follow but the rules the moral laws and and the civic laws and uh, they were there for the good when it comes to the sacrificial laws it focuses on Jesus and Jesus came to fulfill it but when it came to the moral law the 10 commandments and and the love that we should have for our neighbor they're the same today so what we find here in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 13, they're saying to God, yeah, what you gave was good, and we're sorry that we walked away from it. In chapter 10, they're making a vow. They're saying, you know, this, is, this stops in our generation. Have you ever seen patterns in your life? Patterns of your forefathers? Let me, let, let me be straight with this. Not talking here about blaming our forefathers. They did their best. And what we want to see is we want to see our ceiling be the roof of the next generation, right? But one of the things that, that, that we see here is that they're turning to God and say, God, come and, and, and rescue us and, and save us. So, so what we want to see in this text or in this chapter, we want to see uh, this, the challenges that we face. And we don't want to go back and repeat themselves over and again. It's like I just mentioned. It's, sometimes we look at the past and we, we sometimes we've got to say, I'm not going to repeat the same thing in my generation. It was done in the past. It was done in the past. In my generation, I'm, I'm drawing a, a line in the sand, 
in its top in my generation. And that is exactly what happened there. The people said, no more. We're not, we're, we're, um, we don't want to press on repeat. We don't want to go back to the old ways. And if you look at Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 2, it says here, they, they stood in their places, confessed their sins and the wickedness of their fathers. They stood where they were and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day and spent another quarter in confession and worshiping the Lord their God. So three hours standing and hearing the law. And you, it's, it's, it would be more boring than listening to me because you're just reading the law, right? If you like, look at Leviticus or, uh, or the book of Numbers. And, and so they're, they're there for three hours standing and hearing the law. You, you know what was happening is they, they knew they needed the law. They knew that they needed God's word in their lives because they did not want to return to their old ways of life because their old ways of life was not a positive thing. It brought destruction, it brought misery, and, and it brought captivity because right now in the story in chapter 9, they're back in the land, the wall is built, woohoo! the temple is built, but they're still under Persian um, influence or control. So they're still kept captive in their land. And so they, they're praying, God, we want to be free. We want to experience freedom. So this is kind of the context here. And for three hours, they're hearing the book of the law. For three hours, they're confessing their sin and they're worshiping God. They're meaning business. They're saying, it's stop here. There's going to be a breakthrough in our lives today. There's some of you this morning, that's what needs to happen. There's some of you in your marriage, there needs to be a breakthrough. There, there, there needs to be things that change, that needs to change today. There's some of you in your personal life, there's things that needs to change today. There's some of you when it comes to your family, things needs to change today. And I pray that like it happened to them. There was a conviction that arise in their hearts to say, hey, we're not going through the motion again. Something needs to happen. So what they did is they fasted and they prayed and they were willing to stand for three hours hearing the word and, and worshiping and, 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 and um, living confession and, and repenting because they were desperate for a change. Can you tell your neighbor that, you, that we all need changes? We all need changes. And why were they doing this? Why were they doing this? It's, it's, if you look at verse 10, it says, why were they coming before God and, and they were repenting and they were worshiping and they were reading the law? It says in verse 10, talking about God, you send miraculous signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all his officials and all the people of his land, for you knew how arrogantly the Egyptians treated them, treated the Israelites. Look what it says after. Such an amazing phrase. You made a name for yourself which remains to this day. Talking about God. You made a name for yourself which remains to this day. And when Nehemiah is writing this, he's talking about a, a thousand years of history. From Exodus to him, it's about a thousand years. And he says, you made, and, they, and they said that, they prayed this, you made a name for yourself which remains to this day. And, and, and you know what? That God made a name for himself. You look at where you are in life and whatever, your challenge, whatever the challenges is or the call that you have or what God is putting on your heart and you're afraid to step out, God made a name for himself. And, and his name 
is expressed through Jesus Christ. And, and, and when the people were um, praying this, they saw God as a faithful God. They saw God as faithful to his word. And, and they're saying to God, God, you've been faithful for the last thousand years. And so we will trust in you. We will fast. We will pray. We will turn to you because we know that you can. You showed power when you released the Israelites from, from, from Egypt. You showed a, a grace and mercy in the judges when they walked away from you. You are the one. And so we want you and we desire you. So they sought to... Uh, the, uh, the face of the Lord, and they went hard for God. So, so how did the people see God as forgiving, as redeeming, at the same time just and true to his word? There's six parts in this chapter that I want to go through. I'll do a bit of reading, but there's six part where the people are praying, and they're admitting their faults, and then they are celebrating the fact that God is so gracious. Can you say that to your neighbor? God is so gracious. So gracious. It's unreal. Verse 16. Look what it says. But our, our ancestors were proud and stubborn, and they paid no attention to your commands. They refused to obey and did not remember the miracles you had done for them. Instead, they became stubborn and appointed a leader to take them back to their slavery in Egypt. Like, when you look at this, you say, people, are you stupid? Huh? Look at this. They're, they saw the plagues. They saw them being freed from the grip of Pharaoh. And then they went before the Red Sea. There was no way out. And God made a way. And they walked on dry ground. There was a pillar of fire during the night, a cloud of glory during the day. They saw Pharaoh's army be swallowed by the sea. And now they want another leader that will bring them back. Like you say, what, what happened, right? And then you look at how God responds or how they respond and how they see God. But, but these, and this is what they prayed. But you are God of forgiveness, gracious and merciful, slow to become angry, rich in unfailing love, you did not abandon them. What an amazing God, right? After you read verse 16 and 17, you would think, well, hey, you reap what you sow, too bad. But you see God intervening in forgiveness and, and grace. Look at part two, verse 18. Even when they made an idol shaped like a calf and said, this is your God who brought you out of Egypt, they committed terrible blasphemies like imagine this for a moment they made this idol in the wilderness and they're saying that the idol they made from jewels and all that is the the one that took them out of Egypt well that idol was not even made how can it take them out from the past right and so so they're making this idol and they're worshiping God making it their God and you look at verse 19 it says but you're great in mercy you did not abandon them or to die in the wilderness. The pillar of clouds still led them forward in the day, and the pillar of fire showed them a way through the night. You sent your good spirit to instruct them, and you did not stop giving them manna from heaven or water for their thirst. For 40 years you sustained them in the wilderness, and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not, did not wear out, and their feet did not swell. What an amazing God, right? 
So they're talking to God, and they're saying, look, this is how we behave, behave, and this is what, you're, what you did, so we're turning to you. We don't want to see this happen again. We want to see a change. And the, 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 um, they focus on the grace, the grace of God, and they, they see it. They see it. You know, when you're walking in the wilderness and, and you have manna and, and you have water, and it, come, it may come to a point where you forget. It's God that does that. And when it comes to the land of milk and honey in North America, sometimes we forget. We're just going through life. We forget of God. It's God's mercy. And, and, and we live our lives and, and we think because we're blessed that it's a license to do whatever we want. And we say, oh, well, if God would be against us or if we would not be right what we're doing, there would be consequences and we're just walking and doing whatever we want. But actually, this time of grace, according to First Peter, it's for all of us to turn to him, to admit him, to walk away from our sins and, and experience his grace and to see how loving he is, right? So here, the second part, the people are admitting their mistakes and their sins, and they're celebrating the fact that God is faithful. If you look at verse 26, but despite all this, they were disobedient, rebelled against you, and turned their backs on your law. They killed your prophets who warned them to return to you, and they committed terrible blasphemies. So you hardened, so you handed them over to, your, to their enemies who made them suffer, meaning that God said, okay, I'm going to let you go for a while. And look what, how, how, it, how God responded. In, in, in their time of trouble, they cried to you, and you hurt them from heaven. In your great mercy, you sent them liberators who rescued them, from their enemies. You see God steps in, rescues them. In verse 20, 28, but as soon as they were at peace, your people again committed evil in your sight, and once more you let their enemies conquer them. Yet, whenever your people turned and cried to you again for help, you listened once more from heaven. In your wonderful mercy, you rescued them many times. And then in verse 29, part 5, you warned them to return to your you warned them to return to your law, but they became proud and obstinate and disobeyed your commands. They did not follow your regulation by which people will find life if only they obey. So the law and the principles were there for life for them. But it says, they stubbornly turned their backs on you and refused to listen. Verse 30, in your love, you were patient. With them in many, for many years, you sent your spirit who warned them through the prophet. prophet. Part 6, verse 30, but still they wouldn't listen. So once again, you allowed the people of the land to conquer them. But in your great mercy, you did not destroy them completely or abandon them forever. What a gracious and merciful God you are. So, so you, that's the chapter where it's really a sobering chapter because it shows, it talks about who we are. It's, a, it's an honest picture of our humanity and how God wants to um, reach us in our humanity. But there's a need for us to see it. You see, if I want to have your attention, that's the heart of what I want to say to you. The reality is that we're not better than the people. But in chapter 9, the people came aware of their behavior and said, we want to see a change. We're done with the same pattern. 
We're done with the same consequences. We are not, we don't want to see that play over and over again. So we're turn, turning things around. And that's what they did. And it changed the face of Israel for many, many years. So what we see in this chapter is we see the humanity, our humanity, and our need to be rescued. But at the same time, we see how God is gracious. You know, it says in, in, in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, that is, uh, goodness leads us to, com- to repentance. And, and sometimes we think, and again, what Paul says in, in chapter 2, he says that sometimes we, our interpretation of God's goodness is to l- let us do whatever we want. No, the goodness of God should lead us to repentance, not the other way around. And so when you think about, when you think about our humanity, and you think about how we behave and who we are. And we know who we are and we know how we behave, right? Uh, It might be in our marriage, in our relationship, uh, when it comes to our personal life. You know and God knows. But one of the most important things, it's to come to a place of, of awareness and realize that God is a gracious God, that I can't just live my life knowing that God loves me and continuing to live the way I do because there's something that I did not catch otherwise. When I look at what Jesus carried on the cross, now look at the image of Calvary, it should bring me to a place of brokenness and say, God, I don't deserve you. I'm not worthy of that, and we're not. But in his grace, he comes and he rescues me and you. So, so when we look at this chapter, it's a picture of humanity and it's also the picture of God coming to rescue us. In John chapter 3, verse 17 says, For God did not send uh, the Son into the world to judge the world, but, but that the world might be saved through him. So Jesus came to rescue us. So, so, so when it comes to, to chapter 9, what do I learn? Well, his goodness leads me to, to repentance. And secondly, I, I need to acknowledge my humanity. Leonard... Ravenhill once said, the self-sufficient do not pray, the self-satisfied will not pray, and the self-righteous cannot pray. And I think it's so true. As I need to come to a place where I'm saying, God, you have a new day for me. There's something new that you want to do in me. You don't want to go like 30 years going around the same mountain. You don't want to go a year around the same mountain. Maybe you're newly... Uh, married, or maybe you'll get married, uh, I don't know, get married next week, is you want to know this, that you don't want to be captive of your behavior and being caught by your thought process and go around and around and around and having the same results. There can be a breakthrough. And that's what we learn in this chapter is the people said, you know, it's enough. Something needs to change. And, and to see that, there needs to be honesty and transparency. It's not an easy thing to do, right? It's easier to pass the buck, and it's easier to blame. But what we need to realize is that God wants to change my heart, and he has a solution for me. Like it was mentioned, God had a plan for Israel, but Israel, what they did is they decided to go on, on their own journey and do things on their own, and they missed out on God. I want to challenge you this morning. I'm repeating again. As I was preparing this message, uh, I, I just felt that God wanted to address um, this issue, maybe not to all of you, but to some of you, that maybe it's time to, to say it's enough. I need to see a change. 
maybe an addiction, maybe, uh, I don't know, keeping re, uh, resentment and, and, and whatever, but you would come to a point and say, okay, I can't go on this way. It's um, kind of a desperate call, right? And the people were desperate. And sometimes we get to a point where we don't have a choice. Hopefully we don't have to get to that point. But we, we want to acknowledge our humanity and turn to God. Like Proverbs 28 verse 13 says, He who conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. There's a need for us to open up and to ask God. And so how do I respond to his goodness? With my heart. With my heart. It's to be honest and, and true. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance and leads to salvation and leaves no regret. Can you say that to your neighbor, leaves no regret? It's amazing, right? Godly sorrow brings you, brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. It doesn't mean that your past is perfect, but there's no regret. You're free from it. But worldly sorrow brings death. What is worldly sorrow? Is bitterness, anger, hatred, vengeance, and guilt. So we don't want to behave like this. So what you need to do is to go before God with the sincerity of your heart and say, God, I need to see a change. And sometimes we don't even know how that looks. We don't even know because sometimes it makes years and we have this thick crust. Well, you know that God, that the cross is able to, to bring healing and restoration when you give him a chance, when you open up to God and you say, God, I want to experience inner freedom. He'll come and minister in your life. And, 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 and you look at the Israelites, later on, they have seen a breakthrough and God intervened in a mighty way. But they needed to come to this point of acknowledgement and say, hey, this needs to stop. The question I have for you this morning, what do you think God wants to change in your life? What is he up to? What does he want to change? What, do you, what does he want to add in your life or what does he want to subtract in your life? And, and, and so you come before him with your heart. You, you come before him with self-awareness and with confession. Look what it says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If you claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Claim to be without sin. Did you know that in most situations in life, you're part of the problem? Listen, there's some people that they're totally victim, 100% victim. And it's not their fault at all. Absolutely, this is so true. But most of the issues we deal, deal with, we are also the problem. And so when you say that you have no problems, and when you say that, when I say no problems, that you, you're scotch-free, well, there might be a problem. Because it says if you claim to be without sin, you deceive yourself and the truth is not in you. But if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us in all righteousness. He will forgive our sins, so it's forgiven, taken care of. But purify is he removes it. It's not there anymore. It's pretty amazing, right? So sin is a real thing. And sin separates us from God and sin separates us from each other. And sin means to miss the mark, meaning that you went away from God's character and you went away from his word. You know, I was, uh, I was in morning a few weeks ago on our launch team on a Wednesday, and I was talking about inner freedom. And this older fellow was there, he says, 
um, where's the roundup? Because he was aware of all the weeds in his life. He says, Claude, what's the roundup? <laughs> and I gave him that verse. If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive him. You, you come before God, you're transparent, you're real, and you say, no, I want to see a change. Some of you, you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ fully. But some of you, when it comes to your relationship or different aspect of life, you got to make a decision. And I'm here this morning to remind you of that, that you can experience a breakthrough today and you can see change in if you want in your life today. So my prayer is that you would say, God, let it be a turning point today. Let it be a turning point today in my life, in my relationship. You know what's inside of your life. You know what's around you. And you know what? You have an amazing, gracious God that is, that is able to help you navigate through it, but at the same time, an amazing God that took everything on the cross so that you might experience that freedom. So my prayer is that we would say, God, like the people, the Israelites in chapter 9 that says, we're all in, don't want to go back, don't want to recycle around the mountain. It stops right now. I choose to walk in your ways. We choose to walk in your ways, and we want you to bring a breakthrough in our lives. And that's my prayer that would happen to us this morning. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.